Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Monarch Legacy of Monsters by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside the other host, Zachary Newton. Welcome back. We're back. Season 1, Episode 4, titled Parallels and Interiors. <clears throat> also the same name as Kentaro's uh, art gallery, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah. Apparently he's an artist. A talented one as well. Very talented. I mean, apparently like a prodigy of, of art and up and coming in Tokyo. I think that's yeah. Tokyo, right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, it's definitely yeah. Japan. Hey, y'all. Happy Spotify Wrapped Week. Just want to give a round of applause to all of us out there. For all of us who take pleasure in our own listening pleasures. For all of you out there who contributed to not just our personal listening Spotify list, right? Like the music we listen to, the podcast we listen to, yeah. which apparently, um, apparently, my musical taste is that of Lowborough, UK. Never been there, hmm. but there's so much grime and UK hip hop on my Spotify that it is um, from the UK. So we're gonna have to do something because our top country is the US for the podcast in terms of listeners, but uh, our second is the UK. So uh, I kind of wanted to just spout out some numbers from our Spotify wrapped because all of you out there contributed and are, are part of uh, these statistics. Let's do it. I, I haven't actually seen anything from it. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe a post or two from you guys about it. All right. Shame on you, but we'll, we, won't, we won't publicly <laughs> shame you on the podcast for not looking, but all right, here okay. we go. So 98% of the listeners out there discovered us in 2023. Uh, if you know our story, we, we've been podcasting since the pandemic and really started with a serious commentary on Peaky Blinders, which every day when I check the analytics, like one should, <clears throat> um, I noticed that th that series still gets everyday listens. So we thank you for that. But 98% of our current listeners found us this year and they really were brought in with Silo Season 1, Episode 1, The Deep Dive, 15% of our new listeners. So 15% of that, 98%. Wow. Came in through Silo, Episode 1. Our podcast was streamed in 72 countries, with the US being 65% of our total streams. And our top five countries where our story archives was streamed in, number one is the United States, number two, United Kingdom, three, Canada, Four Australia and five Germany. Okay, I like it. Up in my yeah. my uh, my Germany people over there. Our top the podcast genres that our audience enjoys is TV and film, sports, and comedy, uh, which is great because not only are we talking about TV and film, but I am currently doing a commentary of Hard Knocks, Miami Dolphins edition. So you get to scratch that itch for all the sports fans out there. And their top music genres are pop, rock, and rap in that order. Uh, thank okay. you all for everyone who shared the podcast out there. We had 41% of you sharing through direct link, text, and Instagram. And Zach, did you know we made 54 video episodes this year? Wow. That's crazy. That's yeah, like so we, more than one a week. Yeah. It's more than one a week. And we are in the top 5% of most viewed on Spotify. So. In terms of video podcasts, I guess, that puts us in the top 5%. Uh, this year, we saw 505% increase in listeners 
which shows <laughs> just which shows how much we've grown from last year. And I think everyone out there uh, will just be. I think it's fun to see people who like kind of just didn't have a large audience in the previous year, and then seeing that explode while yeah. you were listening to them when they didn't have a huge uh, audience. It's uh, also fun we, to be on this side of it too. <laughs> yeah, um, we had a th- almost a thousand percent increase in streams, and six hundred and forty-five percent increase in followers, and a hundred and eighty-two percent increase in the minutes we created. Hmm. And then in terms of who we were a top 10 podcast, top five podcasts, and top podcast for. We were a top 10 podcast for 2,020 fans out there, a type, top five podcast for 1,098 fans out there, and the number one podcast for 244 fans out there. So, wow. From the bottom of our heart, thank you very much for supporting the show. This round of applause is not for us. It's for it's you. For you. Now let's get into the show because I'm sure um, if you weren't part of that uh, 3,000 or so uh, people who were the top <laughs> podcast for, you don't you care. Give a shit, you know, <laughs> and give a shit. You just moved on. You're already listening to the episode. So, all right, let's get into it. Episode four, Parallels and Interiors. Let's go, Zach. We start off in Utah 2014. We meet this chick who's in the desert. Actually, Utah 2015, I believe. Gorgeous landscape, by the way. Reminded me of my one and only trip to New Mexico where I traveled west towards uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, went to the, uh, what is that place called? Man, I, I'm really bad with names, but I went to like kind of like this uh, cavern in the northern part of uh, Arizona that I'm blanking on right now, which is pretty pathetic. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, Gorgeous Landscape, we meet a Dr. Barnes out there who is monitoring, I would assume, Titan signals because she reads the signal from Alaska of what's going on out there with the Titan, right? Yeah. And she gets into contact with the assistant director, Verdugo, who I'm assuming is boss lady from the jet plane last episode. Sure looks assistant like Assistant director, it. Verdugo. And uh, yeah. Do you think this is like a shout out to Breaking Bad because the position of the RV in the exact type of landscape and then the, even the interior of this RV looks oddly, oddly familiar with like the way the desk, like the position where the desk is set up and everything. Well, what did you think? No, I, I, it didn't cross my mind at all, <laughs> honestly. I, I think it's just an RV, a lot of RVs, at least the ones that I've seen or, or been in, seem well, to have a very similar layout. Yeah, the reason I say it is because Vince Gilligan has like a secret sci-fi show that's going to drop on Apple TV and uh, mm-hmm. there's not a lot known about it, but I just wonder if Apple sprinkling a little bit of uh, Vince Gilligan salt on top of uh on top of the show, you know, kind of Easter eggy type of thing. You never know. Zach, your wish came true. We got the Ice Titan from last episode. It pretty much was the yeah. center point, the center conflict in this entire episode was that Titan chasing around Lee, Kentaro, Kate, and May pretty much throughout the entire episode. And we learned a little bit about it, right? We learned from Tim that these are atomic powered creatures. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this creature in particular literally eats up heat, like it just sucks up all the heat and I guess uses it either as fuel or food, who knows? I don't know, but he uses it and murders with like ice, <laughs> ice breath. Yeah, no, we, we did get what I was hoping for. Honestly, like this, this is the exact episode that I personally was hoping for. Um, however, I was curious, is this your least favorite episode or did you like this one? 
I don't know if I like to talk in those like very, very plain terms, like it's just like least favorite or not favorite. Well, not, there not are aspects, bad, right? It's not, it's yeah, not bad. Yeah. There, are as- there are aspects of it that were not my favorite, but then there were mm-hmm. other aspects of it that I really enjoyed, you know? So okay. for the aspects I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the flashback of, of how May and Kentaro met. Uh, I enjoyed that bit. Yeah. What I didn't enjoy was May not dying of hypothermia when she probably should have died of hypothermia like 30 minutes after she <laughs> fell in that pond from the waist down, okay? And then yeah. I also really didn't enjoy this elderly man with these two uh, two girls who all three of them are not hikers, okay? Mm-hmm. They're not prepped for hiking. They're all trekking through a blizzard, okay? Yeah. And um, the whole time they could have just lit a fire from the beginning uh, to to warm up May, right? It sure seems that way, right? I mean, I, I didn't think that was an option until we apparently walked in a circle yeah, uh, to they get walked- back to where we started. They did a Lord of the Rings style trek up the mountain. So, this girl's dying of hypothermia and they decide to trek up the mountain with this, you know, there's a meme going around all over like uh, Instagram and TikTok of this guy who's like uh, just trying to run through the city and then okay. uh, it pretty much the meme is when the Lord of the Rings soundtrack pops on and it just cuts to this super wide aerial drone shot of him on a mountain just running along a cliff. Yeah. And that's what it felt like watching these four hike. Um I will say this episode was a little more detached from reality than I would have preferred. But nonetheless, it's a monster hunting show. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. It's kind of hard to stay and play in the world of reality uh, with a show like this. I I completely agree with your points. Um, But but I am very satisfied that that we did get the episode where we got to stay focused on the monster. And there was this feeling of, you know, there being a threat. And, you know, it wasn't just like... It popped on screen, ripped up a plate, dove back into the earth, and disappeared for the, for the rest of the show. Um, yeah. So I'm really I'm really happy that it did stick around. I I do kind of agree, right? Like I I mean I don't know if it was me, I'd probably be dead or something if I was hiking in a blizzard after being oh, so. Oh, for sure, modern. we all would yeah. have been dead. The show would have yeah. ended in episode four. Like it would have been. I mean, they're hiking. Look, man, I'm not a hiker. All right, I'm, I'm the only hills we have in South Florida are landfills. There are converted landfills. That turn into parks. We don't have hills, okay? Mount Trashmore. The one time, yeah, by you, all right? Yeah. That's, the, that's the one by, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I went hiking a, a few times when I've been up to Tennessee, Georgia, you know, places like that, Arizona, um, California, places that, you know, are, you know, have these mountainous terrain. Mm-hmm. I've probably gone hiking twice where it was snowing. If you don't have the shoes and equipment for it, you're slipping and sliding all over the place. They're going up treacherous rocks in icy conditions with a girl who probably can't feel from the waist down. I'm yeah. sorry. You know, I love the show, no, but it's, it's, it's bad, hard man. to believe. It's pretty bad. My, uh, my grandmother, uh, you know, like her, her place was up in uh, Pennsylvania. And when I was a kid, mm-hmm. we used to vacation. And I remember being up there uh, at times with it being below zero. And it's just like, I mean, you're outside for 20 minutes and your feet are numb. Like it's, and that's just, that's just standing outside in nice, thick, heavy clothing and boots, not soaking in water and hiking up a mountain. So I'll, I'll never forget my, my cousin tried hiking this mountain in Jordans, like just Air Jordans, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get to a certain point of the mountain where it's just a railing and icy, icy path. He was slipping and sliding. He almost fell off the side of the cliff. Like he went forward, and oh, there's no. usually when you get to that part of the mountain. Have you ever seen these these clips of like Everest and places like that? Yeah. This is I'm not comparing it to Everest, but 
usually when you get to a place where it's like a one lane, you got traffic going one way. And if you got to turn around, everybody has to turn around. So my cousin <laughs> made it halfway almost to the part where you could climb up like to the to the peak. Yeah. And he was slipping and sliding like goofy, like in one of those Disney cartoons. And he had to turn <laughs> around and everyone had to like turn around with him. It was, you know, I'll never forget it. Which just made me think of that while I was, while I was watching these these four just climb up, you know, Mount Everest in this episode. Wow. Well, I won't climb Mount Everest or another mountain for that matter for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Duho. Yeah, I know. It's sad. Hey, at least he got a fire funeral. It was supposed to be. that The explosion <laughs> with the jet fuel didn't really explode to the degree that, that we thought. But... I, I found it odd that Lee wasn't in mourning at all for Duho, like throughout this entire episode. Like there wasn't much of any word of mourning, which which made me wonder if Lee has a nefarious tilt, that his motivations might be not of the purest kind. It does feel that way. I mean, it feels like he doesn't really, I mean, he just doesn't seem to care much. I, I was expecting to get like this, you know, moment of silence from him at some point in this episode. It's just like, I mean, man, it was your buddy at the that was dead but i don't know maybe maybe they just weren't really all that close i don't know i think it's it's to be determined but like there was almost no response for duho being frozen to death by this monster um but i i guess we'll see it it, it did it did bring the to mind the the line that may says to kentaro in his private art room or his private art studio where he says, Kimmy gave me a chance, you know, you know, she's giving me a chance and she goes, nobody gives you a chance. It's all about what you can do for them. Yeah. Um, and I found that possibly could have something to do with Lee's um, take here with, with these kids, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like he, he 100% has his own motivations for doing everything that he's doing. I mean... He's the one that ripped off the little track. Like he, he made the decision to leave the facility before anybody else here even did. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I definitely think he's he's looking out for uh, for what these kids can do for him, what they can help him with. We learn a lot about Kentaro in this episode. Not not a we learn a little bit about May. She's a mystery. We learn that she has a sister named Lyra, mm -hmm. and um, that's the only person that she can talk to, which makes you know begs the question if Lyra is the one who keeps calling her and who she keeps telling her. That she'll call her back. Uh, sure we have our theories that. about May. Mine being that she hacked into something that was uh, a bit more than she could chew off. She bit into something that she, more than she could chew. And now she's probably on the run from some sort of authorities for that act. Yeah. I mean, she definitely wants to stay off the grid clearly in this. I mean, Kentaro can't even keep a photo of her. Even well, though she, she, she totally photobombed. I mean, she, she just walked by. But she leaves. She leaves the quite the impression, you know. She even has you drinking whiskey right now because of yeah. all the mentions of whiskey in this. One hundred percent. It's literally why I poured it. I knew it. I as I watched the scene where they're drinking expensive whiskey, I I wish I could have had like a FanDuel bet where I could have <laughs> pulled up and put money that you would have had whiskey on this podcast. I, it um, would be a fair bet, though. I would. I would also ask when am I? When don't I? Right, like. It's been beer lately on the pod. That's true. You're true. Yeah. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We learn a little bit about how they met, which is nice because in this episode, you kind of get growth, well, mainly from Kentaro's character, right? You know, he has this yeah. art piece or this art installation of a bunch of faces and how 
Uh, he's pretty much exploring identity and what identity means. Probably has a little bit to do with a father who's kind of like an anime father. Uh, who is very, very absent <laughs> from his life and, and leaves the, the young son who's the prodigy to find and discover his own powers. You know, that's kind of a running theme uh, in anime. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, yesterday, and I, I guess I would call this an anime, even though it's, uh, it's I consider anime like Japanese, but it's not really the, tr- the case. It could be in English as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching Invincible, which is a graphic novel or graphic comic from Robert Kirkman, the creator of Walking Dead. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. And I got into it yesterday. I watched episode one. And let's just say episode one leaves an impression, but uh, it does leave the whole anime father thing uh, <laughs> intact <laughs> in, an okay. extre- in an extreme way. And I'll just leave it right there at that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Kentaro. You know, you have that scene earlier in the season where he's walking the opposite direction of the salarymen in Japan, right? And you assume that he's just kind of like a nine to five worker. And maybe that's the case with him. Maybe he lost his path because he was obviously an artist on the ascent until he decided to play hooky on his first art installation, apparently, when taking May out on on the first date, which moved very fast. I mean... They meet, he takes a picture of her that she she doesn't want a photo taken of her, but she ends up going with him to a bar to drink, then they kiss, and then they have sex. So, they they moved incredibly fast for that yep. first date. And I wrote, side note, they had a lot of time before this art gallery show because he still made it to the art gallery show. I don't think he caught most of it though I'm, i have a feeling you missed a lot of it but yeah it definitely seemed to be a lot of time yeah it was a lot of time spent i mean but he made an impression on her he took her to this badass speakeasy uh which was super dope but well we I had no we idea. are we are assuming it was a lot of time spent i mean <laughs> i don't i don't True. know uh, it could have been 30 much minutes of, I don't, <laughs> 30 seconds i don't know yeah 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 well it felt like they had spent the entire night together like it was like a four-hour ordeal which yeah. just made me think, like, how much time did he have before this art presentation? But Yeah, when it's he, yours, you show up late, man. It's fashionable. I think, you know, that's kind of the way to leave an impression as an artist, right? You just don't show up to your own. <laughs> Y'all ain't worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your first one speaks oh, to the humility. They're kind of both it. equally pretentious in their own ways, you know? Yeah. You Kentaro know, and May. I, I, I wanted to make a comment and I'm bringing it up because it's kind of what's on screen right now. But, you know, for me, at least there was a few parts in this episode where I just found the, the, the lighting of it, like the set just seemed very unbelievable to me. I don't know if you got that same feeling as well. Like I almost felt like some of this was shot with like a digital set with the screen behind it and a really harsh light beaming on, on their face, like from that sunset when they're all in Alaska, mm-hmm. as an example. There, there was a couple scenes in here. I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head that, that I caught, but that that was, the I, I think, the single biggest thing that I didn't like about the episode, at the very least from, like, uh, the editing or whatever. Like, it it didn't feel natural to me. That's, mm. that, that's all I was going to say about that. I've, I've got to comment on the aesthetic or something at some point. Yeah, I, I didn't. It didn't really bother me at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, I thought you would have more of a. To me, the only nitpick I had was the fact that Kentaro's girlfriend is is suffering from hypothermia. Okay, 
Well, I had agreed with and, you. Had. And he and he's taking it personal. Like he's saying, why won't you listen to me? I said, I saw someplace. Are you doing this because you're pissed at me? It's like, no, but no, buddy. It's not because I'm pissed at you. It's because I fell waist deep into tundra water. Okay. That's the reason. And so, the, those bit, those moments, especially when he breaks off and goes by himself. I was just rolling my eyes a little bit. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I was siding with Kentaro on that though. I mean, May, May's, you know, been sticking it to him for quite a while at this point, at the very least two episodes. Well, it seems like um, he, you know, he hit it, he hit it and quit it, man. Like they met. Okay. Well, yeah. It's, they, it's very possible. Yeah. They hooked I'm, I'm, up I'm and then he ghosted her for, for months, you know? So. I don't know if anything happened after that first hookup. Like, so I don't, I don't know if there's more story to develop there. She looks um, like versus the type just immediately ghosting her. Yeah, she looks like the type of girl who closed herself off to relationships, right? Yeah, she's on the run, obviously. So she's choosing to be vulnerable, which is not his mm-hmm. fault that she's like a very, you know, fragile uh, person in terms of her situation, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, a confluence of things occurs. His father disappears. You know, he's having a a crisis where now he's working a job he doesn't like, his art thing fell apart because he decided to have a one night stand instead of, you know, doing your job and, you know, respecting the people who want to buy your art. Um, and then she gets hurt because she go- he ghosted her. He ghosted her. And to be yeah. honest, would he have even called her if he didn't need her for uh, hacking into those files that he found of his father's? Probably not. Like it didn't seem like it was anything on his mind. And right. look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying May doesn't have a reason to be mad at him. Like I'm sure she's got plenty of reason to be mad at Kentaro. But in this situation, um, I mean, I, I agree with Kentaro. He he knew he saw something, and I mean, it seemed like she just wanted to fight to fight. And I get like you're also freezing. You're probably gonna. You should have died of frostbite and hypothermia and all of that great mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but she did kind of seem like she just wanted to fight to fight. Um, and it's a good thing that he broke off from the group because if he didn't, they'd all be dead. Yeah, they would all be dead. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. They would all be dead. So, it was good that he was stubborn enough to do it. I don't know what this will mean for his character in terms of its growth. Uh, I, I would assume that it takes us in a direction where now Kate and him are closer, May and him are a bit closer, and Lee's kind of just Lee. He's like a free agent. Yeah, I know. It's, it's weird. I mean, yeah, when, when you experience death together, it does interesting things to some people. It either brings you really close together or it, uh, I don't know, it just makes you go whisper to ghosts and go drink some rum or something. That's what threw me off is that he bounced back so quickly from all of his hallucinations or were they not hallucinations? Is this like a, a weird kind of sci-fi realm where his father is trying to help him through the void and Here's so my pencil shavings <laughs> path, you know? That's an interesting one. Um, and I'm not I'm not quite sure. I think the majority of them were hallucinations. But yeah. the thing that's kind of really a mystery to me here is like, I mean, it looks like there's literally like a hole, like a void in like the middle of the earth. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that is taking you to like some other realm or something. Maybe that's how Lee is young because he went into some other... I don't know, some other, not universe, but just some other layer. I have no idea. Um, so, I don't know if there's like some like little weird spiritual thing. And it also seems like Titans have weird effects on the environment around them, according to Lee. So, I, I'm not quite sure what that means other than maybe it was kind of playing with them um, and just guiding them the wrong way. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Mm. 
Or is it just more questions? I have, no, I ha- there are more questions that are, that are unanswered, but it seems almost certain that Lee went into some dimension where he didn't age for a while or he aged very slowly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, moving onward here, he does get to the base, you know, following his father's pencil shavings in the snow and finds a walkie-talkie. Uh, which confirmed that Hiroshi is alive um, and that they are essentially, you know, not chasing a ghost. He's definitely alive. And I would assume he might be in that rainbowy light that's beaming out of the ground, like that, that area. Yeah. I kind of thought that as well. Lee seems very interested with the light. Beaming out of the... I mean, I would be too if I saw that. I'd, I'd be like, what the hell is that? But um, it almost looks like that's kind of what he was looking for or something. I'm, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, maybe uh, maybe Kentaro's dad is in another realm and another part of Earth. Yeah, and I'm not so entirely sure that Monarch's going to be all evil here. I, like I... Like I've said earlier in our coverage, I think they're not a black and white villain here. I think... Tim is not even a bad guy. Uh, you hear his speech to his team in Arlington HQ, um, which makes sense that Monarch would have a location in Virginia. Mm-hmm. He pretty much lambasts everybody in the station and says, hey, I thought we were here to prevent anyone else from losing a loved one in a Titan yeah. attack, right? Yeah. And he kind of sets everybody in their place, including Assistant Director Verdugo here, who is... Um, you know, she's, she's, she's nice to look at. I'll just say that. Um, <laughs> but he is, you know, he's not the bad guy we thought. He's not just kidnapping Kate, you know, for nefarious means. It seems like he's not, he even seems like he reveres Lee Shaw at the end of this episode. You know, he's like, pleasure yeah. to meet you finally, Colonel Shaw. You know, he even, I think that this guy's not going to be the end of the world for these people. Yeah, no, I think I think they made, intentionally made that line sound a little menacing towards the end of the episode. Like, I, I mean, they're finally caught. But um, I didn't think it sounded I, menacing at all. I, I really didn't think that line sounded menacing. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I don't think Monarch is really going to be this uh, all bad entity. I mean, it seems like they have a, a wholesome mission, I guess. Like in the sense of like, we're here to protect the majority. Um, but I mean, we've seen it before in a lot of situations to project or protect the majority, I should say. Um, sometimes you have to sacrifice a few. Um, and, you know, like, I, I think that's why, like, when, when we focus on these, well, very specific, small set of people here, Monarch really seems like the bad guy because, I mean, they're after these people. But I don't know what secrets they have. I don't know what was in those documents and what Monarch is really trying to protect and get back. Um, but it seems like, at least their mission is, you know, to be in the best interest of everybody, all of the big cities, big governments, countries, all of that. Well, I think we kind of do know what they're after, right? Because we see the conflict in the previous episode where you got the faction of Dr. Mora and Bill Randa who don't want these monsters destroyed. And you got the faction of the military who want to learn. Um, they want to destroy these monsters. And if they do want to learn anything about them, it's to how to eradicate them, right? So perhaps mm-hmm. the files... Um, if taken or uh, reviewed by an organization like Monarch could lead to the end of these creatures. 
uh, which, to be honest with you, as a human, doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> call me crazy. <laughs> call me crazy that I don't want, you know, the Empire State Building dinosaur uh, coming to Miami and, and just wrecking havoc, you know? Yeah. Speaking of those files, they were frozen to a... Um, they were frozen, and per- perhaps conveniently so, because now nobody gets to see these files. Not yeah. only Lee, but uh, Monarch doesn't get to see these files either, right? Because uh, yeah. good luck recovering those. Well, it makes me wonder if they're like permanently damaged. I mean, I, I think the I think computer May, itself is permanently damaged, but I think May May's seems to be pretty. Something. Yeah, that's very possible as well. But I mean, she also seems to be pretty skilled. I don't know. If there was anybody that could recover those that we've seen in the show, at the very least, I'd put my money on her. Or maybe Tim. Did you catch uh, uh, Lee mentioning when he's setting up the trap for the Ice Titan? Hmm. He mentions we're going to light up this place brighter than Times Square on VJ. VJ Day. Yeah. VJ Day has to be a show reference because that doesn't, like, there's, there's nothing historical. VJ Day. At least we want to yeah. look that up. Yeah. I'm assuming that's something we're going to see. V- VJ Day is Victory Over Japan Day. Oh. September 2nd, 1945. That's that's at least what I see here. Pretty mm, pretty poor reference when you're uh, with <laughs> like three people from Japan. Hey, you know, I didn't even know that that was a day, but... Uh, Me neither. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. I think it's one of those things where there's a lot of reference actually in the show to, we mentioned this, I said this in episode one that, you know, Godzilla, like the mythology of Godzilla is largely like a metaphor for the destruction of nuclear weapons. So, um, Mm -hmm. and that the risk of it ever happening again, uh, I mean, and these monsters are atomic powered. So I wonder if they, if the, if it does all trace back to literally like, dropping nukes on japan like if that's you mean the lure the lure of no i mean like show or you mean like the actual like like i mean the show itself like i wonder if that was the beginning of something like this with the titans or if maybe it wasn't i don't i don't know i have no idea i don't know what woke them up but uh i wish they were still sleeping yeah well the base that kentaro found belonged to monarch even though it looks abandoned or at least if it didn't belonged to Monarch, then it was connected to them and somehow because the the walkie-talkie that he's able to find that is repaired by his father, seemingly so, uh, directly puts him in contact with someone who can charter a helicopter to him and then to save Lee, Kate, and May, who were surely going to die if that helicopter did not arrive. And, you know, the fact that that walkie-talkie works proves what I said earlier, that Hiroshi is alive, or he was alive. Uh, it saves May and reunites our loving crew here with Tim from Monarch and his looming kind of intimidating bodyguard. Yeah. I mean, look, there's nothing intimidating about a guy named Tim. Sorry, if your name is Tim out there. That is um, a, that is truly a, you're gonna find yourself a problem with some guy named Tim. I promise you that. I just apologize, but I mean, what's he gonna do? His name you is Tim. You can't apologize <laughs> after insulting somebody. You know, it's like, hey man, um, your outfit looks like crap. But let me tell you something. Um, 
You know, <laughs> your beard's trimmed up nice. You know, I don't know. thanks, bro. I, I mean, I'm in like pajamas right now, so I, I don't know. Whatever, got my All hoodie right. on, just chilling. I don't support Soapbox Network. Does not um, support that statement. The views and opinions of the hosts are their own and not uh, backed <laughs> up by Soapbox Network. So Tim. Uh, <laughs> You look at him. Now. All right. All, all you... I think when I hear Tim is is that tiny Tim, the tiptoe through the tulip song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's literally just the only thing playing in my mind. What were you going to ask? Where do you think we go from here, Zach? Well, I think we're going to go into the void uh, thing that we see and find ourselves in the North Pole with Santa Claus. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I I'm not quite sure. I, I feel like we're still going to be on the hunt for Kentaro and Kate's father. Uh, you know, that's clearly the mission at hand right now, though we're definitely getting a detour um, because we're all captured by Tim. Um, good old Tim. So I think we're going to take a, a pivot here and we're going to focus on a lot of the, the documents that were stolen and maybe get a bit more of like the backstory of potentially what was stolen. Um but yeah, I, I, I kind of think that's where we're going to end up for a little bit. Um, I think we're probably going to get a couple episodes that are more focused on on the history here. And then we'll pivot back to this current time frame where we're really looking for their father. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you on all of that. I, I think it'll be a while before we see what's on the files. And uh, if we do see Hiroshi, I, I would assume it's not towards... Not until towards the end of this season, if I had to guess. But um, yeah. I would assume there's going to be an interrogation next episode and a helplessness because the files are supposedly gone. And then hopefully, or we probably get a reveal that the files are not, in fact, destroyed, if I had to guess. And, you know, a little reunion, a little rekindling of love between Kentaro and May. Yeah. Anything Let's to it. add to that? No, uh, I I agree. I mean, I don't think, we're gonna find their father until towards the end of the uh, the season. I think that's like this is like the season mission. This is the big thing that we're gonna find at the end. Oh, he really is alive. There he is. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, you want to get into categories? Sure. All right. Let's start out with favorite character of the episode. I'm gonna go with Kentaro. First, I'm glad that um. These actors, you know, they just, they look like normal people. You know, they're not, Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the actor who plays Kentaro, Ren Watanabe, uh, is not, like, he was not a very experienced actor before this. Mm. So it's cool to see kind of a, a new unfamiliar face uh, have a, a role like this, a major role, right? Because he's a major character, he's a main character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say he was my favorite from this episode. I agree with that. That that's that's the one that I wrote down as well. I think he just he stood out to me, and I, I think this episode was, I don't want to say about him, but I mean, it kind of was. Like it was it really was. focused on his backstory, and you know, just I mean, we got to really kind of see who he was, which we did not know clearly. Had no idea he was an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite scene in the episode? I like the flashbacks to how May and. Kentaro met I thought that was my I thought that was like the highlight for me personally seeing learning more about him I thought his background as an artist was super cool and uh, I really liked the scene of them in the, in the speakeasy I thought that was a nice uh, little touch yeah. 
Yeah, the, what what I wrote specifically was the flashback of Kentaro hitting on May. I, I thought seeing uh, this uh, suave uh, Kentaro was interesting. It was, mm-hmm. it was it was it was cool. I liked it. Yeah. How about favorite line in the episode? I had one that really stood out to me. Go for it. I like expensive whiskey. That's it. Yeah. Why not? Come on. It's from May. I like the rebuttal on it. Yeah. I had written one down. I had it in quotes. Where did I put it? Oh, I, I, I put it was um, Lee when he goes, "No one two titans. No two titans are the same. They're like snowflakes or something like that." Yeah, he mentioned that, which I thought it was. I liked it mainly because it tells you something about this world of titans and that each one of them, like, there's no, like, he's never seen this one before. So every mm-hmm. single one he encounters is like a brand new species of creature. Yeah. Which is interesting because I, I mean, I have no idea how many there are. And it, I guess there's literally just one of all of them. Like, is that, is that the general idea? I mean, they kind of seem like gods. There's just one of them. Uh, it, would, it would seem that way, right? I yeah. feel like we don't ever see like a second King Kong, you know, or a second Godzilla. So it's just like just one of these things. And who knows yeah. how long they live for? Forever. Yeah. They don't seem to die at the very least. Not in this show. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I got for categories. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying our coverage of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. We encourage you to tune into some of the other shows we're doing on the channel. We have a doubleheader of For All Mankind, episode three and four, coming to you this weekend. We're slightly behind on that due to the holiday scheduling here. And we're also doing Hard Knocks. Miami Dolphins edition on Tuesdays. I typically record those every Tuesday after the episode when we get those episodes out Tuesday or Wednesday night. I'm really enjoying that. That season, that series will go as long as the Dolphins last this season. If they make it to the Super Bowl, we're going to have an epic 12-parter. And if they lose before then, then it'll be less. But nonetheless, join us on the journey as we either see me celebrate or cry. <laughs> Literally. Uh, well, here, here's the hoping that the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Monarch Legacy of Monsters by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Spotify and Apple Podcasts primarily. You can visit us on YouTube at Soapbox Podcast Network. Visit our website at soapbox.house. Email us at contact at soapbox.house. And there is a link in the description below to sign up for our quarterly newsletter. Thanks for all for tuning in. See you next time. Peace.